0: And here we have the rankings. 42. Grigor Kalansky With a dismissive attitude toward women and an inability to find the asshole, this bear-like Russian entrepreneur is a sleaze of the highest order. Grigor hasn't yet endeared himself to me, but this caviar expert has given Belinda access to one of the biggest continents yet. Yes, that's right, the continent of Russia. We don't know what happened to the Soviet Union in Rocky's world after that glorious wall came down. Perhaps with Belinda transferring to East Germany, the Soviet swine will come into greater prominence. Rocky's comment. Grieger is a hard guy to get to know. Believe me, I've tried, but I just can't drink vodka. A classic no-hoper who's made good, starting out as the son of a kulak peasant family and making a big success of himself. But he's a big fan of Belinda, and that has to be a good thing. Now with her new duties, Belinda might decide she needs to spend some more time in the USSR. No one can avoid doing business with over 200 million people, and Belinda's too savvy to ignore them. They need her and her pots and pans. Grieger, in his own ebullient way, will push his caviar and cigar corporation into the pots and pans ecosystem, and no doubt make a killing. As long as it's not Belinda's expense... Who cares? Business is brutal, Kalansky. 41. Contessa Lucia Lorenzo Who will ever forget this aristocrat having smoke literally blown up her ass? Spoons assured us that she'd recover after he stunned her to stone and took 17 minutes from her life at the airport. But given how well the rest of his espionage practices worked out, I suspect we may have said... Chao, to this particular royal. Rocky's Comment Contessa Lucia Lorenzo is very well connected in the Italian aristocracy and is an acolyte of Belinda. A schoolgirl friend of Aldo Fellini, Lucia holds the key to bringing his supermarket chain on board. But we have to ask, which way will he swing? Belinda or steals pots and pans? I suppose it'll depend on who got his balls in their hands. With Belinda around, I suspect she'll be the winner who'll take it all and leave Bella crying with her quite a more utility knife for comfort. As for Chow, I'd rather say, dirty." But hey, wait, did we mean it the other way round? 40. Clarence, Duke of Epsom Horny since birth, Clarence feels like he should be super-important to the overall plot, married as he is to the head of British intelligence and routinely hobnobbing with Sir James, Chara and other notables. Yet, ever since we learned about that time he scrambled around on the floor at Claridge's, desperately trying to scoop up his wife's love eggs, which had broken free of their moorings due to excess lube, his reputation has been irrevocably smeared. Also, his idea of a good time is taking Bella, of all people, to look at some old family portraits. What a hag. Rocky's comment. Sir James Godwin's golf partner. After all, we know his partner in crime. The Duke of Epsom is an unfortunate leech on society. He's a big port drinker, loves chicken keeve in garlic sauce, and oogling young ladies' bodies with a piece of lipstick hidden in his rear. We'll leave that thought there. However, his entanglement with Bella at the Tumbola didn't turn out as he'd wished, and his duchess wife, the head of MI6, taught him a salutary lesson. Never again did Clarence stray, and it's good to know that his wife didn't share her morals too widely, potentially stopping any involvement with Belinda and the duchess's other female friends. 39. Christina Rouse Peter Ross's wife, Sir James's niece, an internal spy, an unusually intense interest in office microwaves, and, at least in a parallel timeline, infertile but with a knack for cute, kitsch accessories. I fully expect the spunky Christina to come into prominence in upcoming books. For now, let's all remember the quintessential moment which draped her tits over Belinda's ass, I've tried her method of getting prospective lovers. Strangely, it doesn't seem to work for me. Rocky's Comment Finding a microwave that does fish was one of Christina's major discoveries when she visited the Steele's offices that fateful day in late December. It was a blow that Peter could never recover from in his own lifetime. As the mulled wine slipped gaily down his throat, he knew that every office in his own organisation would have one installed by the new year. Yes, Christina had nabbed the budget reserved for a new lift, and the old one would have to muddle on for a while longer. However, I do think Christina was very happy to keep things as they were. You see, as any decent spy would tell you, any opportunity to quiz a new visitor to your offices in a broken down lift would be most welcome. You never know where it might lead. Besides, a precedent has been set by Jethro in NCIS. All his best interrogations take place in this highly unusual situation. Learn from the best, as Christina no doubt has. One thing I'm waiting for is Jethro's ass on network TV. Sammy, a bit of advice on your saying hello to prospective lovers. You need to have the certain female attributes to use that technique. Okay? 38. Alphonse Sterbacker, The Belgian, with 300 outlets throughout the Low Countries, made a striking first appearance in the maze, but, in future chapters, gave off the slight whiff of being a loser. All the same, if there's a kinky event taking place, he's guaranteed to be there, whether it's a handcuffed woman caked in mud or a library sex party, a leaked security video on YouTube or a chocolate fountain, literally. Alphonse will sniff it out. Rocky's comment. Alphonse is an upmarket, sophisticated type of guy who's going through a final breakup with his much younger wife of 20 years. No wonder he gets himself invited to all the sexy parties in Brussels. He's also a successful entrepreneur and a very good catch for all those divorced ladies out there. I always thought he'd have a bit of a thing with Madame Chocolat, but her very brief liaison with Belinda may well have snuffed that one dead. Still, there's plenty to go at, Contest Lucia being one. Perhaps Monsieur Rideau's wife fancies a change from the Belgian colonies. <laughs> 37. Ian Snail <laughs> Steele's head of marketing and part-time office radio host became an instant classic after his first, and thus far only, appearance in the season 6 finale. He's apparently a prude that didn't seem so during the climatic 24-hour bunking party. Thank goodness Bella finally got the chance to cross him off her colleague bingo list. For someone who's so judgmental about his co-workers, though, I have a few questions. 1. As head of marketing, where was he when the conference organisers were looking for companies to promote at the Millennium Dome building? 2. Why didn't he use the concept of product placement before Belinda found out about it from telly? 3. Why did Belinda have to invent a frying pan named Sam to encourage small children into the kitchen? I hope we hear more from Ian's radio gig, Snail's Mail, as the podcast has titled it. If only because he will no doubt be a sarcastic commentator on the story at hand. Anything to encourage the people at Steele's to take a good, long look at themselves. Rocky's Comment Ian Spelt I-A-I-N, as I really meant to write, because with the addition of an S, you get snail. Okay, you've got to twist the first I into an L, but you get the idea. And yes, it doesn't work. So I hate him. He's a sort of greasy marketing type who always steals a salesman's ideas and turns them into a marketing initiative, which he claims that's successful of for himself. Yes, I'm bitter because I've been that salesman. But let's get to the questions. Any growing organisation will pick up people and job positions as it develops. Steels is no exception, and because of the tumultuous success Belinda brought to the company, Tony was able to add a marketing manager to the team, hence Ian Snail. When he was appointed, I leave to your imagination. Question two has the same answer as number one. He wasn't around. I also doubt he understands the concept. I have to stop being bitter. Small children and kitchens should never be in the same sentence, never mind place, so let's disown that comment immediately. Have you read my book on sweet treats? Now that's real cooking for kids, grown up or small. So in conclusion, if Ian Snail wants to progress and steals pots and pans, he better start being nice to me. Fuck off, Ian. 36. Hans and Greta Schweinsteiger I have several questions about Jamie's accent work throughout the books. Really, do the questions loom as large as when thinking of Greta Schweinsteiger, who treads the delicate line between cartoon squirrel and psychopath? Hans and Greta appear to be stuck in a fairy tale. I haven't quite figured out how exactly their business model with Price cane and Bargain Store works. But gosh, Greta knows how to pleasure our title character. Some of the credit must go to her crate full of dildos from New Guinea for sure. Will Belinda ever return to the haunted warehouse to complete her sibling double? Stay tuned to find out. Rocky's Comment I really do think these two identical but fundamentally different characters should have made their own ranking, so I'll do it now. 36a, Greta Schweinsteiger. 36b, Hans Schweinsteiger. I've put Greta before Hans, as I know she'd insist on it being that way. But also, she's had a lot more plot to date than Hans. They both reappear in lockdown 69, where Hans pulls his weight as much as Greta, but that visit by Des and Belinda to the warehouse confirms my choice. Whilst the boys go off and do man-things with stock and stuff, the girls get down to it in the warm, comfy office, trying out new underwear and, of course, assessing New Guinea-sourced dildos. What else would we expect of Belinda, never mind Bella and Giselle? Now she's back to being a team player. Of course, I hear all the hard-bitten sales guys out there shouting, ''It's what management does. The boss stays in the office whilst we do the work on the shop floor.'' I guess the Andy Milston story bears that point out once again. On reflection, I don't think I've ever met a hard-bitten sales gal. But I suppose there's still time. Could Greta be one? So... If you like the style of my podcast, then I'd like to get you the special gift for the Belinda Blinked fan in your life. I will record your message in the same style as my podcast, Rocky Finstone Unleashed. So. Hi, Jamie Morton. Rocky Flintstone here, just wishing you a very, very happy birthday. Enjoy your day and see you soon. Cheers! You can get this a great, unique present from my Etsy store, Rocky's Pavilion, all one word. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Ciao!